the book of Leviticus, this is going to seem kind of like an odd place for us to extract our text from this evening. Brother Jordan was teaching today and mentioned some things about Leviticus, and I thought how crazy it is um, the way that people desire, as one author said it, to unhitch themselves from the Old Testament. There's so much power in this book. And so tonight I'm going to preach to you uh, for just a little while. We're going to draw our text from Leviticus chapter 10. But I want to visit, if I may, just for a few moments, Leviticus chapter 9. As we know that when the scripture was being written, that there was no chapter in verse. So chapter 10 was just a continuation of chapter 9, what we call chapter 9, and I want to hit a couple of things here. The scripture said in 9 and 1, it came to pass on the eighth day that Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. And he said to Aaron, take thee a young calf for a sin offering, a ram for the burnt offering without blemish, and offer them before the Lord. Why is this important? Because this is Aaron's first offerings. This is the first time that Aaron... Offers up offerings unto the Lord. The scripture says to us in the 23rd verse. That Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation. And came out and blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people. Somebody say the glory of the Lord. And there came a fire out. From before the Lord. Where would the fire come from? From before the Lord. And it consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat. Which when all the people saw they shouted and fell on their faces. Now let's pick up at verse 1 of chapter 10. And Nadab and Abihu the sons of Aaron took either of them. His censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. The scripture said in the second verse, there again came out a fire from the Lord. But this time it was not devouring sacrifice. It was devouring Nadab and Abihu. And they died before the Lord. Don't get nervous. Nobody's going to get consumed tonight. But I want to preach to you from a really simple thought. If I could just take you to kindergarten tonight and preach to you. No strange fire. No strange fire. Lord, we need you tonight to help us. We need you to speak to these people what you have spoken to my heart. I believe, God, that you desire to move upon us and to work through us in this hour. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in thy sight. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, let the church say amen. Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated. If I may tonight, I would just like to begin by saying to you that there are some things in the 21st century church We cannot afford to lose. 
I feel like that the temptation has always been there, at least in my lifetime, and I know before me, because those that have gone before me have preached over and over and over about the threat of compromise. Now, understand, in my childhood, compromise meant uh, that you stopped preaching standards of holiness and separation, and all of that is true. But there is another level of compromise that has hit us today that I feel is so much deeper than what we could have ever imagined. There is such a, now this is going to be strong wording, I realize that. But there is such a fraudulent, fabricated move of God that has been transpiring in our land where people are making up uh, revivals that aren't really happening and they're making it look like lives are being transformed and they're not and God has exposed all of that. It's been disgusting to see uh, the pedophilia that's been exposed in uh, different churches around our globe and uh, false doctrine being revealed and all of that has been done in the name of the Lord. If you've ever read historical books uh, even written now by apostolic authors about these false religions, you find out how deeply steeped in false religion that they are and even nuns with their tongues being nailed to the floor and horrible uh, atrocities that were happening, just terrible, doing it all in the name of the Lord and saying that it is revival and saying that it is revival sweeping the land. But I'm telling you tonight that what we're looking for is not something that has been fabricated, something that's been made up, something that's been pushed, not something that's been manipulated, but something that is so powerful that it is undeniably, undoubtedly the hand of God that is working. I'm telling you tonight, I don't want to be a part of some kind of revival where we've got to make up what God has been doing and prop God up. I want the kind of revival that when people walk through the doors and they've got a a doctor's report that said they've got cancer their body that changes when they walk through the doors of the church and cancers fall off and they get up out of wheelchairs miracle signs and wonders I'm talking about things that only God can get the glory for God was so particular about how he established his government in the earth even In the Old Testament through the priesthood, now in the New Testament, it is the ecclesia of God, the church, that the gates of hell cannot prevail against that have been established as God's government in the earth. In the Old Testament, God was trying to establish some things through his priesthood, and so Moses uh, calls Aaron forward, and he said, now is the time for us to sacrifice. And as Aaron offers his first sacrifice, it's obvious That it was pleasing to the Lord because the word of the Lord said that a fire came from the Lord. It came from heaven and consumed what they had put on the altar. Now, if you don't believe that God is concerned with how and what we offer to him, then please tell me the conundrum that was created by Cain and Abel. How does that happen if God doesn't care about how and what we offer? And I'm afraid that If we're not careful, we're going to bring ourselves to the place that we offer God whatever we've got left over and offer God whatever we want to offer Him and then ask Him to bless it. 
We live in an age where carnality runs rampant in our churches. And you've heard me preach this before as to how Demas forsook the apostle Paul and left him to live the kind of life that he wanted to. But I'm afraid that Demas is not uncomfortable enough anymore to even leave the church to do what he wants to do because we'll invite him onto the platform because of his talent and we'll invite him into our choir loft because he's a singer and we'll turn him loose on the keyboard or the drums because of the talent that's in him. But I'm telling you right now, we've got got more talent than we've ever had we've got greater polished presentations than we've ever had but in the age that we're living it seems to me and I don't want this to come across as negative but it's not talent that we're missing it's not presentation that we're missing it's that consuming fire that can only come from heaven and consume the sacrifice I'm telling you, I thank God for every musician that we've got. And I want them to be the best that they can be. But I've never seen a musician that by playing in their skill, that the drug addict was set free. And the alcoholic, oh, I feel like preaching. We need fire that will fall from heaven and consume the sacrifice that we present him. We live in an age where it seems to me we continually come up with ways to justify ways that we can further separate ourselves from the call to holiness to be like God and yet still ask Him to bless what it is that we're doing. I don't know how to say this other than to just come out and say it and risk someone thinking perhaps that I have become desensitized to the world that we live in right now. But you understand me that when we're asking God to bless what He never would have ordained, it is nothing short of arrogance. And it seems to me that in this age, that the dynamic shift has become personality-driven. And that people are not known by the powerful works in the church and signs confirming the word. But rather they are known by the Hollywood type personality that's out in front leading. Understand pastor when I tell you tonight there's nothing wrong with giving to the poor. The scripture said he who giveth to the poor shall not lack. You know that we have block parties and you know that we, we do all of those things to keep our name in the community and out in front of people there's nothing wrong with doing that but the original intention of the church was not to be a food bank I thank God for those opportunities we've walked through a ton of them we've had the, the tailgates and all it's all good and great thank God for serving opportunities but I'm telling you right now that I've never given anybody a can of soup and God set them free on the spot from the chains of addiction that held them bound. That happened when they opened up their spirit to a word of prayer. And we introduced them not to an open hand of giving, but to the hand of an almighty God that is still able today to set men free. 
What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying to you that the church has got to be more than a humanitarian station where we are enabling people to stay in the kind of lifestyle that they're living. I want to be a part of a church that when somebody gets baptized, they're not just getting baptized because they wanted to get wet and show everybody that they've gone public with their profession of faith. I want somebody to come up out of that watery grave of baptism and realize they have buried an old man. They're walking in a new covenant with Christ. There is something that has changed. I'm going to walk heavy with you right here, so just stay with me. When I was a boy being raised up in the church, and I'm not saying that people are wrong for doing certain things. This is not an I'm right, you're wrong deal. But understand me when I tell you, I didn't, I didn't grow up having baptism Sunday. I just didn't. I'm sorry. That's just not how I was raised. I was raised that the sinner came to the house of the Lord and they were moved by the word of God. Does anybody here still believe that he can save, deliver, and set free? And I fear that if we're not careful, our good will be evil spoken of. And we're going to attempt to prop God up so that numbers look better on paper. Woo! It's tight, but it's right right now. I feel like telling somebody tonight that there's got to be a dynamic shift in the kingdom of God. That we are not as consumed and concerned with how many people we can tell our apostolic friends that we baptize in our church. And more about how many lives are being transformed and renewed and restored. I feel tonight that God is trying to awaken us to help us realize it's not about how many people we touch. It's about how many people God touches I, I'm not interested in a block party where we're not preaching. I'm just not. <laughs> oh, Lord. Something has happened in my lifetime that I desire to some way, if I can, erase and do everything in my strength to erase, everything in my power to erase, everywhere I go, it's like I feel like a broken record. I preach it over and over and over and over and over everywhere that I go. When it's authentic and it's real and it's life-changing, you can't fabricate it. You just can't. There's not a book out there that can tell you how to have revival except for this one. And this one said that this kind only goes out with prayer and fasting. I wish so bad. My dad's not here tonight. He's preaching in Ohio. I wish so bad that being the son of a revivalist was enough to have revival. Because if being the son of a revivalist was enough, then we'd have revival. I don't know of anybody that loves revival and church any more than my dad. But I feel like telling you tonight that this is not about what our grandfathers did and our fathers did and what those that have gone before us did. You cannot grab the coattail of people that had revival and have revival because they did. Uh, 
The year was 1949. There had been an outbreak of revival in southern Indiana in a small uh, sawmill town of Medora. The Holy Ghost had been poured out. There was a young couple, young married couple that brought a 17-year-old teenage girl with them to Anderson because the Lord told that man that there would be a harvest in Anderson, Indiana, and he wasn't even a preacher. And they got together and started having Bible study groups, and people started coming to their homes and The Lord began to move and work. And before they knew it, they had a pretty large group that was coming that was a little bigger than the places that they were meeting in their homes or what have you. And so the men of the church got together and they purchased the property at 19th and Lincoln. And there they hand dug a little basement church building that was there and stood established until 1955 when Bishop R.B. Bingham came to Anderson to preach revival for Bishop Morgan. And then in 1966 he came here after Brother Vanessa had pastored for a while and he took the first Pentecostal church of Anderson. But I'm telling you what God did in 1949, 92 years ago is not good enough for what God wants to do here today. I'm not satisfied to reap the harvest by casting my pole into other people's ponds and drawing other people that already believe what we believe. I want a harvest that'll reach into the pits of sin. Oh God! I want a harvest that'll reach into denominal churches and a revelation of truth will come and pastors are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. I want entire congregations to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I walked into a place of business the other day and I had forgot about preaching about it and the man at the business He said to me, he said, you still believe in God's going to give you that whole block of apartments and everything? I looked at him kind of funny. He said, well, I was listening to you when you preached. And you said that God was going to give you all those apartments down there and give you the whole block if that was the will of God. That you wanted to have schools and connect people and have people come from all over the world. He said, you still believe in God for that? I'm going to tell you what, church. I'm still believing God for bigger things than you could ever imagine in your life. I believe in God that this church is still going to be the healing and the epicenter of revival. I'm still believing God that folks are going to walk in this house addicted and they're going to leave set free. What does that look like? What does harvest really look like? Does harvest look like pulling into the parking lot and 150 people standing at the front door waiting to get baptized? No. I'll tell you what harvest looks like. Harvest looks like that conversation, the opportunity the Lord gave you this week at Walmart. When somebody looked at you because they knew you were different by the way you dressed. They said, do, do you, you go to that church out on 53rd Street? Yes, I do. And what's our normal response? You should come to church with me sometime. You know what God's trying to do in 2021? He's trying to shift that response. And he's trying, trying to get us to say, yes, I do. And I'd like to tell you more about it. Could I come to your house this week? Boy, it just got quiet. We like the miracle signs and wonders part, don't we? 
I'm going to tell you what, church, harvest does not look like me just preaching to people on the Internet and them showing up because they like what they feel. It's going to happen a little bit at a time. But what God is looking for is somebody that's bold enough to say, I don't just believe it while I'm at church. I want to live it every day of my life. I'm in love with this. And Jesus changed my life, and he can change your life. I, I don't want to chase rabbit trails, but I was so convicted some time ago. I came to the church one morning, afternoon early, I guess, pulled in the parking lot, and there was two boys sitting on bicycles right out, just right outside my office out there in the parking lot on bicycles. They had on their bicycle helmets and had on their little tags. I knew who they were. I knew what they were doing. They had been sent on a mission from Utah. They were some of Mitt Romney's boys. <laughs> but you don't ever walk up to those kids and find somebody in Anderson, Indiana that's from Anderson. They go to their churches in Utah, Salt Lake City, and they send them, look at their tag, they send them as missionaries. To cities all over the United States of America and around the world. Forgive me if you think I'm just being shallow, but something got a hold of my heart. What in the world would cause them to be so bold to park their bicycles in an apostolic parking lot? And then it dawned on me because they've probably never even heard of what you are. We say we've got truth. But them boys are out beating the streets and girls. Let's be politically correct. They're out beating the streets. Telling people about a vision that a man had when an angel appeared to him. And all we got to do is look in the scripture and realize the word of the Lord said that I don't care if it's a man or an angel. If they preach any other gospel than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. But they've taken the vision of Joseph Smith where an angel appeared unto him and gave him revelation. And they're doing everything they can to burn the world up with it. And here we are with the greatest message that's ever been preached and the greatest revelation that's ever been known. And we sit back and say, do it, Lord. Do it, God. If you were to infiltrate apostolic prayer rooms across America... You would hear prayers very similar to what I'm fixing to pray right here. God, we're pleading with you to send revival. God, we're pleading with you to send the rain. The Lord got a hold of me several years ago. He said, why in the world are you asking for rain? I didn't tell you to ask for rain. I told you to plant the seed. Oh, What good is rain on a field that has no seed in it? Can you imagine? I'm going to draw you a picture that's going to make you giggle. There's a man in this church that I love dearly. Brother Jeff Russell gave me an opportunity to work for him as a, just a boy. I think the first summer I worked with you, Brother Jeff, I was 13, something like that. 
And I watched the work ethic of a farmer. I remember him having to stop what he was doing one day when a hydraulic line broke on the tractor and it was all over the field. He had to come over and fix that and go into town, get the hose connectors, all he did that. And so because of that delay, he still had to go back to his field that he was working in, keep on working. There was no rest. Could you imagine what would have happened if a farmer like that just walked out of the house on their old farmhouse, stood up on the front porch and looked out across the field and said, Do it, Lord. There was the old T set up right there. Just set you right up on the T right there. You know it. Yet we look over the field of harvest that God has put us in. And we raise our hand and say, send revival, Lord. I tell you, folks, please hear my heart tonight. I don't ever want to go through another year like we just came through. I mean, the truth is probably that we haven't seen anything yet. Like this is the tip of the iceberg. I get that. I just want you to listen to me. If 2020 was not enough to get people's hind end in the house of the Lord. <laughs> I mean, like the Antichrist himself is going to have to stand up and be like, it's me. Hi. I'm the guy John told you about 1,986 years ago. Can you imagine? And here we are in the 21st century still arguing about what rules we can get by with and still be called apostolic. So you're saying if I don't do that, I'm going to go to hell? I'm telling you right now, if we don't get our eye on the ball and get our shoulder to the plow, there's going to be a lot more people go to hell than somebody that's worried about what they're wearing sending them to hell. It's like I grew up. Please understand, y'all know my heart. If you're not a member here, maybe you don't. But if you've been around this church, you know my heart. I'm not throwing off on anybody, but I was raised up hearing words preached and prayers prayed about backsliders saying, God, make them miserable. Give them a revelation of hell. And I still pray it. I mean, I, I, I pray it. Everybody's got to have a pig pen experience. It's going to have to happen. You can't, you can never twist the arm of a backslider. That's why the father left him in the pig pen. But understand me when I tell you tonight that I grew up hearing it prayed. Give them a revelation of hell. And the older I got, the more convicted I got when I prayed that prayer. Because I'm not sure, Brother Andrew, that it's the world that needs the revelation of hell. I'm pretty sure it's the church. Because if we really believed in hell the way we say we do, we wouldn't want our worst enemy to be lost forever. And so we're all worried about who's going to be elevated in the church and the politics of the church and who's going to get the right seat at the hand of the master or the pastor, whatever you want to call it. Just make up your own story there. Oh, no. 
preacher walked by and didn't even shake my hand. It happens, y'all. So help me God, it happens. Had them call me up. Hey, you mad at us? No, I'm uh, no. No. Why? Because you didn't look at us when you walked in. I'm sorry. It's probably because I wasn't thinking about anything else. (laughs) You understand? And we're caught up in the emotionalism. The Bible said there was a woman that came to Jesus and started worshiping him. And God is attention. He said, what can I do for you? She said, well, I have two sons. And all of a sudden, you see what motivated her worship. She said, is there any way one could sit at your right hand and the other on your left? Woo! Is our worship motivated by putting somebody on the right hand and the left hand? Being sure that somebody's got a solo in the choir? Being sure that somebody gets to be on the instrument? Thank God. Let's do it. Let's use all the talent we can use. Let's get them raised up. But understand me when I tell you tonight... We're not going to fabricate the move of God that we need to have by teaching somebody there's a way you can elevate yourself politically in Pentecost. I thank God for ecclesiastical structure. I thank the Lord for it. I thank God for organizations that have helped us. It's helped us spread the gospel through the whole world. We've got missionaries all over the world. I heard a number the other night. That out of the, I believe it's what, 213 countries, something like that. And don't quote me on these numbers, I'm giving you a close estimate. They said that out of the 213 whatever countries we've got, that we know for sure, this message has been preached in like 190 plus of those nations. Jesus said that when this gospel was preached in every nation, that he was coming back. But we're still trying to figure out who we want to vote in. Oh my God, help us. We're still trying to figure out who we want to get voted in and who we like the most. Of who will be the most lenient and let us get by with the most. And the Holy Ghost is speaking to the church saying, come on, get your eye on the ball. Let's have revival. Let's win the world. Let's reach out and tell somebody about the goodness of Jesus. Y'all still with me tonight? So the Bible said that Aaron offered this unto the Lord. And that heaven came down and consumed the offering. How many of you believe that if the Bible said the Lord consumed it, that he consumed it? I get so sick of people trying to explain away the supernatural. Well, that's not really what it meant. Jonah didn't really go in a well. Okay. Yes, he did. And Nineveh really repented when he got his heart in alignment with God. But I believe that fire came down and it consumed it so much. Watch me now. The move of God was so powerful that it caused the sons of the priests, Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, to say we want people to look at us like we have the same power that our father does. And a political spirit motivated them. And they said, what we can't do with the power of God, we're going to take our own censure and we're going to put fire in that. And we're going to start something that God didn't start and then ask God to bless it.
Did we read it together tonight? Say, God just received that from them. But we want to see if we can duplicate what heaven just sent. Oh, God, I wish I could get this to somebody. This is the picture of what we're seeing right now. Is that people are trying to use counterfeit power to buy an authentic experience. Nadab. And Abihu said, well, let's see if we can come up with our own fire and get the same kind of results that happened when they obeyed the word of the Lord. Listen, don't you ever believe for one moment that it was anything less than the perfect obedience and alignment of Aaron that brought fire from heaven. It was not because God loved him more than he loved his children, Nadab and Abihu. But it's a principle that we've got to get. Your kids will never get it because you got it. You're going to have to teach your children. There's some games that we just don't play. There's some things that we just don't do. There's some fire that we just don't offer. I'm fixing to jump on a rabbit trail right here. But just understand, Pastor, when I tell you, there's some things your kids are never going to get on a Little League baseball diamond. There's some things your kids are never going to get on a football field. They need to know that if we want authentic power and glory, it's going to come out of obedience and alignment to the word of the Lord. Come on, help me lift up Jesus for a minute. Let me see if there's any way that I can take my sensor, that little thing that I've got incense in. I want to affect the fragrance of it. I want to do this my way. I want to bring it my way. I'm telling you what happens. This is in this book, not in my sermon. It's in this book right here. There will still be a response from heaven. But it's not the kind of response that you want. And this is the part that we don't like to preach. You listen to me today. I'm not trying to be ugly. And I'm not trying to be discouraging. But I'm telling you that men who have been fully aware of the truth. And have refused to preach that truth. They're going to get a response from heaven. And there's going to be a payday someday. And I know that this is not a popular doctrine to teach. But I'm telling you that there will be men who are going to be lost. And there are going to be people that are lost because of those men. And they're going to sit through hell for all of eternity. And wish to God that they would have got themselves in alignment. God is not playing games with the apostolic church. He's looking for something that's authentic and powerful. Oh God I'm just asking if you would right now To just lift your hands to the Lord God's trying to speak to us in this house I'm not going to be much longer But I want the Holy Ghost to finish the work That he started here tonight (laughs) 
Somebody shout hallelujah. I want to tell you tonight, church, I'm going to hurry up and get where I'm going. Because I believe God wants to help us in this house tonight. I'm going to tell you something. We have tried to figure out every way, and I say we loosely because I'm not trying to just point out I'm not trying to sling shade on anybody that thinks how they say it. I'm not slinging shade, throwing shade. Understand me tonight when I tell you that if entertainment could have got this done, it would have already been done. I'm, man, I'm glad we got it. I thank God for it. I'm so grateful for it. I was looking around in here the other day, and I think to myself, Lord, it's hard to believe some of our equipment's lasted as long as it has. Like, you know, when we bought it, it was really good stuff. We kept it for a long time. It's still, it's still working. I thank the Lord for it. But after a while, all the things that you think are going to help you get to the next level, you know, you get LED lights and you get Intelli lights and you get all that. And what you, I mean, they break down. Then what? We build finer buildings. Man, we've got more incredible edifices than you can imagine. I'm talking about people going so far over their head in debt to build buildings and give God the glory for it. And their greatest asset becomes their greatest liability. And their hands are tied and they can't have revival because they're worried about being businessmen. <laughs> Woo! I'm trying to help somebody tonight. What I'm telling you folks, and I know you know this, but what I'm telling you tonight is that if you're looking for a church that's going to sway to the winds of this world... And compromise in the 21st century so that we can have a fake harvest. You're barking up the wrong tree. Because what I believe is that God is going to send the real harvest to people that have kept themselves in alignment with the word of God. I don't want a fake harvest that comes from a fake fire. That comes from a fabricated fire. That comes from entertainment. I want a move of God that's going to shake this city. That's going to shake this nation. So we're worried about what's going on on CNN and Fox News. And we're worried about what's going on in Washington, D.C. And the Holy Ghost is saying, I want you to work on what's going on in your heart. I want you to get your heart set on the harvest. And get your mind set on the harvest. And get yourself in alignment for harvest. Oh, God. So I'm saying to you. Tonight that there's going to be a response from heaven one way or the other. But I want to be sure that the response I get from heaven is the consuming fire that consumes my sacrifice. And not the one that consumes my soul. Because I allowed myself to get out of alignment with the word of God. Folks, this is not fear monger preaching. I'm not preaching to you. Be afraid. Be very afraid. I'm telling you tonight from the word of God. That there is revival that's going to happen. There is fire that's going to fall. And the way I feel about it. You may feel tonight in some way, shape or form. That I'm arrogant when I say this. I don't mean it at all. I say this with all humility. But the way I feel about it is that if God's going to pour out Holy Ghost fire he might as well pour it out on me and he might as well pour it out on this church and he might as well pour it out on your family and he might as well oh God 
God. I want to have a move of God that's beyond anything we've ever seen. And I want it to be authentic. I want it to be powerful. I want God to do it. I'm talking about the kind of fire that'll go to your backslidden children in the middle of the night and shake them and wake them up. I'm talking about the kind of revival that'll cause doctors to call and say, we've done everything we can. Will you come pray for them? Just know this tonight about me. Please. I don't want to be anything less than fully apostolic. I don't want to be like that Moabite-ish woman. I don't want to be apostolic-ish. Oh, Jesus. I don't want people to look at me and say, I remember when that church used to have it. It's my greatest nightmare. So somebody's going to look at Pentecost in the next few years if the Lord withholds his coming. It says, I remember when they had it, when they had authority. But I'm going to tell you, there's a New Testament shadow of exactly what I talked to you about tonight with uh, uh, Nadab and Abihu. When the Bible said in the book of Acts that there were seven sons of a high priest. One scheme of seven sons of one high priest that came walking into a devil-possessed man. And hell, the enemy, the devil, had to remind them, I don't even know who you are. Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? They didn't have power to cast out devils because their father had the answer. And we're not going to have revival in this church because we've had revival in the past. We're going to have revival because your family gets hungry and your children get hungry and we're not hungry to just have any old fire we're hungry for the fire of the Holy Ghost that is an all-consuming fire we are hungry for God to do what only God can do what I'm saying to you is that God is not obligated to do what only He can do until we're willing to do what only we can do So tonight, I'm not standing before you saying that my desire is that I want fire so bad that we'll fabricate it if we have to. My desire is that I want revival so bad that I'm going to stay right here until fire falls. I was sitting in my office tonight, just kind of wrestling in the Holy Ghost with where to go tonight. And my mind went to the old men when the second temple was built. Scripture said that the old men began to weep while the young men shouted. And the deeper you look into that, you realize they weren't weeping because it was finished. They were weeping because it was finished, but there were things missing in this temple that were in the last one. And one of the five things that was missing, I'm not talking tonight about the deep things, the urim and the thumb and all that. No, no. One of the primary things that was missing was the fire, the holy fire that had fallen from heaven in the wilderness and was established in the first temple. If we're not careful, we're going to be sure that the temple 
is as beautiful as it's ever been. But we're going to be missing holy fire. I want us to keep growing. I don't know if God will give us enough time to build another building. I don't. He may. But I'm not nearly as concerned about a building project as I am having a church that is so consumed with apostolic power and authority. Oh, God. Forgive me tonight if I sound ugly, but I don't want to just blend in with everybody. I don't. I don't just want to be like everybody else. I want power. Sheila Mokotarehese. In the name of Jesus, would you just stretch your faith towards heaven right now? I know not everybody in here is picking up what I'm putting down right now, but I'm asking you, if you want to be a part of what God's going to do in the end time church, are you willing to lay down whatever you've got to lay down? To be sure that it's God that gets the glory for this thing. No strange fire at FPC. No strange fire at Anderson. I want it to be undeniable it was a God thing. It was a move of God that only God could do. It wasn't because we had one more choir clinic and our choir got better. It's not because we did one more kids revival and our Sunday school department got better. It's because the people of God found a prayer closet, got on a 24-hour prayer chain, started pushing away from their plate at least a day a week and said, Lord, we'll lay down whatever we've got to lay down but send the fire. I want to tell you tonight, church, there's no substitutes and shortcuts. I had some young people come to me today. They said they're sharing prayer times. They're, having, they're taking open prayer. I'm talking about young, young teenage kids, young kids. They said we're splitting prayer times because there are hours of prayer that are left. We got young kids that are splitting hours of prayer. And I, 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 I'm not against that, but I'm going to put the pressure on you just a little bit right here. And I'm wondering, why is it that our kids are not having to get on prayer time with us? Because all the prayer times are taken. We're not teaching them the power of prayer. They're jumping on and having to share prayer times because there's enough of them available. I want my kids to know. And I want whoever they marry to know. I hope God comes back before they do get married. Brother Oliver scared me to death. Married his beautiful girls off, and he said, Your day's coming. But I want generations to come to know that this will never be a strange fire church. It's not going to happen here. Oh, 
God. Brother Looper, I walked into Doug's service the other day and was filled with emotions when I saw Brother George Looper on that on the poster boards and all the pictures and saw your family. I thought, God, what in the world would Brother Looper think today? Oh, Jesus. It's not going to happen by carnality. It's not going to happen keeping up with the NFL and the NBA. All that's passing away. God took all of those excuses from us. Oh, God. I can't get this out of my spirit tonight. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. I thank God for the entrepreneurial spirit that's been resting on this church and the businesses that have been started and the financial advancements that have been made, but we're not going to be able to buy revival. And we're not going to have revival by you having a bigger business and missing more church. God, get us in alignment tonight. I'm asking you to push with me one more time tonight, church. I just don't feel like God's finished reaching in this place. Sutarakashatabaha. 